You are listening to the sermon audio from Renaissance Church. We pray this message equips you to be formed into the image of Christ as you grow in your love of God, and it fuels you to love your neighbor as yourself. We are convinced that while this sermon audio is beneficial, it should only be supplemental and not replace local church involvement, the pastor God has put over your life, or your commitment to gather in person with other believers to make more disciples for the fame of Jesus. Peace be with you. The word of the Lord in Titus chapter 3 and verse 12 reads thus, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so, that, so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Paul writes with confidence in Titus and the Cretan congregation that they can fulfill the calling of Christ in this transitionary moment in ministry and not only be people of professed faith, but people of lived faith who do the good work of bearing the fruit of gospel ministry in the culture that God has rooted them in in Crete. And this is what I believe Christ calls us to do here in Pittsburgh Renaissance Church, that we are not to be people of just professed word, but lived word and gospel ministry that brings transformational power in our world, even as we live in a world and in a church that is constantly in seasons of transition. I had a professor in seminary who is now a president of a, of a famous seminary in our country, and I was complaining about life and how I can't keep up. And he said, well, Will, you got to learn to keep up because life is always in transition. And so that's what I want to speak to you today from the subject I want to speak to you today from uh, Renaissance, ministry in transition. Ministry in transition. It is often said you don't find out who you truly are in times of tranquility and ease. Rather, the real you, Pastor Rob, comes out in experiences where you're under pressure. It's March Madness, y'all. It's basketball season in our culture. And if you lose, you go home. That, now, that, that's pressure, right? Everyone is playing each game to keep their national championship dreams alive. And in the last five minutes of these fast-paced competitions, it reveals the fundamental soundness of your team, the character of the cohesiveness of your unit, the fluidity of their offense, the tenacity of their defense, the veracity of their resilience is on public display in the pressure of the transitions of the final moments as the time clock keeps ticking away. Your transition offense and transition defense are under uh, pressure in the presence of diminishing time 
and it reveals the effectiveness of the coaching that has produced the team that you are rooting for. Everybody rooting for Oral Roberts University, my alma mater? <laughs> the pressure of transition shows you, Renaissance, who you truly are. And in today's text, Paul is dealing with the church under the pressure of doing ministry in a moment of transition. And Paul, poised like a point guard, is leading his team in a gospel form strategy to manage ministry in transition. Paul understands that Christ's multicultural church is in the midst of a difficult transition. Therefore, it needs dynamic leadership to develop mature disciples to do relevant ministry in the transition of life in this world and life in the church. So he passes the ball to Titus and instructs him on how to lead the team in ministry during this transition. Paul does not want the Cretan church to be like many American churches during the transition of COVID-19 pandemic, during the racial rest, unrest in our culture, and the political chaos in our government that we have been experiencing. No, he does not want Christian leadership and churches that are so culturally inflexible and insensitive to the culture of the gospel that they are unable to do relevant ministry in the world always in the midst of transition. Friends, Paul wants Titus and the Cretan church to do relevant ministry, the relevant ministry of the gospel in the transition that they find themselves in. He wants them to do good works. He wants them to be fruitful. He does not want them to be an unfruitful congregation. So the relevant question I want to ask is, how do we develop congregations that are so shaped by the culture of the gospel that we are always ready to do relevant ministry in a world constantly in transition? How do we do ministry in the transitions of life personally and familially and in the church and in our local culture in Pittsburgh and in our country and in the world globally? We are not sure how Paul's transition plan worked out with Titus and the Cretan church, but there are a few insights we might pray and work for in our lives in the church as we seek to do ministry in the midst of transition. First uh, point I'd like to lift for you is this, Renaissance, is that we have to pray and work for a gospel-formed culture in the congregation. We have to pray and work for a gospel-formed culture in the congregation. The gospel throughout Paul's letter to Titus is the driving force which informs Paul's direction to Titus about his practice in pastoral ministry and leadership in the Cretan church. The gospel forms, is to form Titus's pastoral praxis. The practices and ministry priorities of the church are to be modeled after the self-sacrificing grace which the Cretans have received in the salvation of Jesus Christ. The gift of Christ is to uh, now be given and imitated as the Cretans become living sacrifices for the Savior as they minister in the church and represent Christ in the world, in the culture. Look at verses 12 through 14 of Titus chapter 2 with me, will you? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, 
training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is not a suburban gospel of privilege. As Gardner Taylor illuminates in his sermon, It Is Finished, that forms many congregations in America and that stands on the, sits at the margins of safety and culture. Rather, it is the gospel of self-sacrificing love for the other that should motivate and inform how we operate in times of transition. The pandemic has exposed us, hasn't it? It has exposed a, a culture of selfishness and fear of betraying our political and nationalistic interests, which have formed so much of the church's belief and practice in America and in this age. But Paul teaches us that in every transition and in every time, the gospel should inform the church's priorities and practice in ministry. So we've got to pray and we've got to work. God doesn't want us to just be a praying church. He doesn't just want us to be a thinking church, but he also wants us to be a working church towards the priorities of Christ in the gospel. So we must pray and work for, the, for to be a gospel-formed culture in our congregation. But secondly, the text teaches that we must pray and work for a cross-culturally sensitive congregation. We must pray and work for a cross-culturally sensitive congregation. When your pastor gave me this text, I'm like, what, what part does he want me to preach? Like, this is just, this is, this is a tight couple verses, but pastor, thank you, because as I got into study, it just, there were so many gems in these few short verses. Look at the names of Paul's ministry team. Artemis, named directly after the Greek goddess Artemis. Zenus, whose name means gift of Zeus. Tychicus, who is identified as the Asian in other portions of Scripture. Apollos, this erudite Jew from, who, who, who grew up in Alexandria, Egypt. Paul, the Jew of Jews from Tarsus with problems back in Jerusalem, but not afraid to identify himself as a Roman citizen. Titus, I believe a Greek. Paul's going to winter in Nicopolis, this great city in Greece. And the church in Crete has to deal with congregational baggage and under the direction of this Jewish apostolic father in ministry with, who, who, without indulging in cultural or ethnic superiority. There's a bunch of cross-cultural interaction happening in this transition, friends. Paul's team and Paul's ministry was cross-cultural, as the church has always been, right? To deny the cross-cultural identity of the church and to pursue a vision of a monoculture church is idolatrous, and you have not the Christian God or gospel of scripture, but a cultural fetish with a God fashioned in your own image. So the Christian church must always work, let the church say work, work. to remain cross-culturally sensitive. 
right? That's not wrong. We must be cross-culturally sensitive and open to building redemptive relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ who are of a different race and nationality than you. And by any means necessary, the church must crucify the sinful imagination and practice of cultural imperialism or identifying the gospel culture with a certain culture, uh, with a certain national or ethnic culture of a particular group. Christ Church is multicultural, is a multicultural church connected in ministry, sharing resources and gifts, healing the brokenness in the lives of people through good works, because that is what Jesus did in his life, death, and resurrection for our salvation. If we have a gospel-formed culture, we will passionately pursue cross-cultural ministry and relationship and family in Christ. And we will be sensitive to the dynamics that must, uh, we must, must consider in order to become family with people who we don't share a, a natural culture and background with. So we must have a gospel for culture. We must be a cross-culturally sensitive church in times of transition and shift in ministry. But thirdly, the church should pray and work for dynamic leadership to develop the congregation and maturing disciples to do good works. I have a friend who tells me my points are too long in my sermons, so let me say that again. The church should pray and work for a dynamic leadership to develop the congregation and a maturing and maturing disciples, the maturing members to do the good works of Christ's ministry. Amen. The pastor can't do it all. Amen. 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 The ministry is done by the people of God. Paul's ministry team is dynamic. When I say dynamic, I'm meaning they are able to function in different ministry capacities with competency, compassion, and they are collaborative with one another. All of the team is in transition. Artemis and Tychius, they don't know yet who's going to go serve in Crete. But one of them is going to go over and take Titus' position. Zenos and Apollos are going through Crete seemingly to another mission field, and will need support from the Cretan church. Titus is leaving Crete to join Paul for the winter in Nicopolis and to prepare for the next season in the apostles' ministry. Paul entrusts these leaders to deal with opposition in ministry, to minister to the needs and challenges in the Cretan church and congregation, to raise up other leaders, to deal with cross-cultural dynamics, dynamics in the church, and to be respectable as they interact with the society at large. These men were compassionate, competent, and working with one another as they went out in ministry teams. We need this in the church today, friends. Leaders who can work with accountability, but also stand strong in the truth of God and their own unique giftedness. Who are like the sons of Issachar, who know their time and what should be done and who love and serve the people of God and develop them in the truth of the gospel. Amen. But we also need teachable, maturing congregations. The ministry of the church is fulfilled in the good works of the people to apply the ethics of the gospel to their contemporary context. Is that clear? 
the, the, the ministry is fulfilled as the people of God internalize the gospel and receive the gospel with open hearts in their lives and then tease out the application of the gospel and how they live within culture today. We have to pray that as the elders teach the people that the people joyfully receive the word of God and do the ministry of Christ in the church and in the world so that those who do not know the salvation that Jesus gives might come to know him through our witness and our work for Christ. We must pray for this in our churches. For many churches will not make it through transition effectively if leadership and people are so self-oriented and are working in opposition to one another, right? There are a lot of churches, a lot of pastors who did not make it, I mean, have not made it through the pandemic and transition. Or there's churches that are so irrelevant to the times of transition because they are so focused on their witness, but they have no time to do the work of ministry, or so focused on the work that they have forgotten the heart of the gospel. That's why we have to pray as we work. We must pray for this in our churches. Many churches will not make it through, have not made it through transition effectively because there has been opposition. So we must pray and work to develop dynamic leaders and mature disciples. And this is the ministry model, friends, that is modeled for us by Christ in his discipleship of the 12, isn't it? Jesus proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the gospel, and met the needs of the people in the culture in his public ministry with his small congregation. Then he sent the 12 and later uh, the 70 out to do the same that he modeled for them. Christ Jesus was a dynamic leader, the most dynamic leader, who was able to adjust to the different cultural context and shifting needs that he came in contact with and address the people and their challenges with compassion. Jesus lived, died, and rose from the grave, conquering death. But before he ascended to the right hand of the Father, he commissioned his followers to go out and take the gospel to the nations in, the world, in word and deed so that he might save lost humanity. And this is what Christ calls the church. This is what he calls Renaissance to and its leadership to as we pursue ministry today. So finally, friends, I'd just like this to submit to you that this gospel ministry, that this is gospel ministry in times of transition. Christ's multicultural church is not to become inflexible, insensitive, and unfruitful to the culture of the gospel, which can redeem in a world always in the midst of transition. We do not want to be uh, to do unfruitful ministry in a church always in the midst of transition. No, Christ calls us to be a people whose culture is so formed by the gospel on his, uh, of his grace for us from the bottom to the top and from the inside out. So we pray and work in the power of the Spirit to be a church that is formed by the gospel, cross-culturally sensitive, developing dynamic leadership, and maturing congregations to do relevant ministry. And so I hope this is helpful to you, uh, Renaissance, as you think and act uh, and manage the transition of our day, uh, empowered by the Spirit of God and trusting fully in the gospel of God to do the ministry 
of Christ in this day and age. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the total sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And I pray now, Lord God, that you would apply the word in the lives of your people. 